You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Untapped K, part of the Believe Podcast Networks. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus for on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE and bet responsibly, please. On to the show. Thank you for tapping into some untapped keg, our sobriety and mental health podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, RJ Zimmerman, here with my good friend, Monte Ball. How you doing, big guy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm alive. I'm well. It's a Sunday morning. Got a little bit of rain outside today, so that that's that's always good for a Sunday. Always, always setting the stage for movies and putting my phone on Do Not Disturb. Um, love it. But all is well, man. How, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm pretty good. I stayed up late reading a little book uh, called Discovering Beautiful, <laughs> and uh, I finished it. And I'm very excited because we have a special guest, uh, a person in recovery Brittany Shelton. How are you doing, Brittany? Mm-hmm. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for being here. Yes. Super excited. Super excited. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we appreciate it. We love to have folks on to share their stories, to share their journeys, and and, and really anything else that you would like to share. Uh, we just we just love to create this atmosphere. So we are we're honored to have you, Brittany. We really are. Thank you. So let's start off, Brittany. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, introduce, uh, talk about yourself as much as you want right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, here we go. Here we go. I got you. I got you, okay. Brittany. So, so yeah, I think, I think, I think obviously, yeah, start with introductions. Um, Brittany, I mean, so, so with obviously yourself what is it that you do what do you love to do and and then we're obviously going to get into some recovery co- uh, questions thank you Mons. all right yeah no, yes no thank you because i was like should i go Wait. now <laughs> i'm like i don't oh. know what my wow no um i am a mom first i have three kids who i love 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 to take care of um and that ties into my recovery so maybe we'll talk about that later um but that's my first job um and then I do write on the side and I'm working on a children's kind of book right now, um, which is super exciting. That's um, awesome. 
it's been fun. It's more about like self-worth and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I like to paint and draw. It is a therapeutic hobby that I like to do that kind of turned into a thing um, on accident. And I'm also a lunch lady. I don't think people know that. <laughs> uh, Wonderful. It, it is literally just something to do during the day. I hate to say it like that, but my kids are all in school. And so I was like, what can I do that has, you know, the right hours and schedule? So I get to interact with the kiddos all day and then um, get home and nobody even realized I was gone all day, you know? So um, I just, I wear a lot of hats. I have a lot of fun, but uh, recovery has kind of just showed me to make an impact no matter mm-hmm. where I'm at and what I'm doing. So I'm just having fun with all of it. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah. I think it's important. I think that word that you just said right there is the most important part, having fun, yeah. having fun with it, enjoying what you're doing. And I, I think, I think that most definitely uh, came out right there as you were sharing that. Well, thanks. Yeah. When you've lived the life or had the experiences I have, I feel like that's my number one thing is like, I'm not here for any of that stuff. I'm here to mm. really enjoy the rest of what I have left. So. Yeah, even if it is being a lunch lady, I'm going to have a good day, you know, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I remember our lunch ladies, it was always the most fun. Um, I mean, one one of the, uh, my friend's moms was a lunch lady, so that goes a long way too, but, uh, you know. Oh, my kids make fun of me, you guys, like a lot. Uh, (laughs) But like I said, it's, it's, I do a lot of other things, but I don't, I'm not much on recognition. I feel like, like I said before, I just, I just want to have a good time. I don't, it doesn't matter good. to me. So. And that's, I mean, that's, I think I was going to say that's important ahead. to talk about in terms of recovery too, because the stigma mm. is you don't, you know, if you don't partake, you're not going to be fun. Like, you know, you're a fuddy duddy, but the fun doesn't end <laughs> when you stop drinking, when you stop doing, you know, whatever your uh, choice was, it, you can still have fun after that ends. And that's that's important to talk about as well. I agree. It is. It is. So I think uh so so I mean you're so you're so modest, which which it's just such an awesome thing. Uh you know, you shared obviously that you're a lunch lady, but but also I mean you're an author. Uh I, I know, mean, I don't I you know, I I think it's because I'm a perfectionist and it's another thing that I sort of struggle with. An image, mm-hmm. right? So coming out of childhood trauma, my image was so important to me. And that kind of contributed to substance abuse, right? I needed to look the part, act the part. I needed to be normal, right? So I worked so hard to fit in this this place. um, And I was obsessed with my image. Um, And I just feel like now I am the complete opposite. I couldn't care less what anyone thinks about what I do. And I'm proud of my accomplishments, but they, they aren't what make me me. And so I don't minimize them on purpose. I just feel like there's a lot of pieces of the pie that encompass who I am. Um, Yeah. And I think that's okay. That's amazing. Love all of it. So, yeah. That's something that I struggle with. Like, um, I've I've come to realize I've struggled with it a lot of my life. Um, a lot that I wanted, like back when I was a kid, was be accepted by people that didn't accept me. Right? Like I wanted everybody to like me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then and that's just continued into adult life that I've kind of had to try to figure out ways to not dwell on that. Um, you know, one thing that has helped uh, is my kids. Like, 
you know, yesterday they ran up to me. They hadn't seen me for a few hours in the morning. I was gone early. And they came to the park and they first thing they yelled, Daddy, Daddy, there you are. I was looking for there you. you. It's are. like that, that, that feeling that you get then, like that erases everything else from the day. And it's just, it's amazing. And, you know, I don't want to say that that's the only way you can get that, but that's just something that helps keep me back grounded and centers mm-hmm. me. Um, so, <clears throat> Brittany, the way that I found you on was on Twitter, and you were mm-hmm. sharing the way that you share, tell your story, uh, your motivational. I connected with um, you talking about your parents and um, your relationship with them because I see a lot of myself and my relationship with my parents in those. Um, you talk a lot about putting up barriers. How did were you able to first start that? Like, what was the process to start putting the barriers in place? And how did you get through kind of the the anxiousness that comes with that starting process? So, like, like having boundaries with my family members, yes. kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh this is, I'm not a black and white, all or nothing type of thinker. Okay. Mm-hmm. When it comes to recovery, I feel like there's so many different things that you can do. Like you said, what brings you joy, right? Is your kids. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for everybody that's different, but for me, the only thing that's black and white and cut and dry is like I said before, I am no longer available to waste any more of my time mm-hmm. making other people happy or comfortable because it's, it's like the one non-negotiable. So that helps me remember, you know, they say, remember your why or whatever that is. That's, that's kind of what it is. It's like, why am I even doing all of this? Well, like you said, for me, it's for my kids and none of that can happen. Um, if I, if I don't do this one thing, right. Which is separate myself from all of the stuff that kind of tore me down mm-hmm. and that kind of shifts me right back into the perspective that is the healthiest for me. So um, it kind of just cuts away all the crap because emotions are tricky. It's like, yes, I want to feel them all, but I'm not going to let them make my decisions for me because had that been the case, I would have not been sober, you know, for 15 years. I feel like um, I would have just continued making decisions that made everybody else happy and comfortable. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? This is my life. I've given way too much away to all of you. So now it's my time and that's okay. And if you have a problem with it, I'm sorry. Maybe you should deal with that. <laughs> you yeah, know, no. you should confront those feelings. And it's not, it sounds, see, and they say that's so cold. That is, you are mean. You are. And I'm like, I guess I can see how you would perceive me that way. But at, at the end of the day, that's not true. And so, it is very hard. And that's why I tweet about it. it. It's not an easy thing to be looked at. Like you're literally a monster. Um, it does bother me. I'm not a machine. Yeah. Uh, it, it hurts, but mm-hmm. I am a stickler, you know? So I guess the, the answer would be, I, I just the facts, I focus on the facts, not always the feelings, but do I, I feel them? Of course, but I, I don't let them just drive everything I do. So mm. Yeah. Mm, that, 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 Wow. That mindset is important. I, I, 
Wow. As you were sharing that, a lot of what I went through throughout therapy was very similar stuff. Um, I was allowing for my emotions to, to drive me, allowing for my emotions to dictate the outcome of my days, um, as opposed to obviously controlling your emotions and, and still, as you shared, being able to still feel them, but still stick with the facts, <laughs> still move forward with the facts. It's a it's a it's an important trait to have. Um, absolutely. And so throughout your recovery journey, I mean, I, I, I would love to kind of dive right into this. Um, so you seem pretty open about it, obviously. So so throughout your recovery journey, or I guess let's just start at the beginning. Like what sparked that change for you? What was that? that aha moment for you uh, to, to, to say, like, I have to make a change. Um, I always say exhaustion. It was, it was, mm. it wasn't just, Oh, you could lose your kid. Right. It was, it was that, but it, I mean, in retrospect, I can, I can say it was just, I was very tired. Uh, I have, um, exhaustion that's it it was it I had nothing left no more gas Mm. I couldn't go it was either go or it was going to be the end you know and I know not everyone's story with substances is like that dramatic and I respect that I just need to say that because we're in a culture now where people are choosing sobriety um and I don't want to minimize that for people who might be listening because I feel like way to go good for you I'm not going to hate on you for quitting before you get to that point, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. but that's not everyone's story. And mine just happens to be, it was literally quit or you're going to die. <laughs> it was it. Um, and I had come close so many times. Um, and it was, it was, I don't know. There wasn't a, like a moment. It was just, I was so tired. Somebody caught me at a vulnerable time where I thought I can't do this anymore. And they just happened to say, Hey, do you want to go to this meeting? And I was like, not really, but I'll go. And then it kind of, mm-hmm. kind of just went from there, mm. uh, which that's a whole other thing. We could do another one someday about meetings <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, it did initially help me because when you come, like I said, from dysfunction and stuff like that, I don't have an army of support behind me and I still don't. And so had it not been for, you know, that group of people, I mean, I don't think it would have ever happened. So Right. So that's something that I kind of want to touch on, too, because in your book, you talk about not having that close um, support group, which is something that uh, I think some people might be going through when they start their journey, when they decide that it's time for me to try something new. I need to make a positive change in my life. And then you also talk about people you thought maybe you were close with that just you thought would care that didn't. How were you able to get through that at the start of your sobriety? Because one thing that we're completely honest about, people you think that are your friends, when you start to go sober, when it they won't be there. You you will lose friends. It's right. just it's going to happen. And yeah. unfortunately, sometimes it's best friends. Sometimes it's you know it's just it's people that you are really close with. You are going to lose friends. And being open and honest about that also prepares people for it. So I was hoping to get your perspective on that. Well, I was 
22, 23 when I got sober. So it was a little different, you know, I think being more, you know what I'm saying in a different phase of life, it may have been a little Mm -hmm. different, but I mean, I kind of went into it with all of my friends were either drug dealers or people I did drugs with and that was it. So, um, you know, I just, when I cut that string and let it go, um, I really was alone. (laughs) Uh, but like I said, the, the group itself really did offer me something to fall back on as far as, you know, answering all my questions, like, why am I alone? And how come nobody did come with me? And mm-hmm. uh, like I said, being so young, like, I didn't really have a lot of perspective at the time to understand that it's okay that they didn't come with me and that, you know, that's their journey. And so as far as my family goes, though, you guys, I, I would be lying to you if I sat here and said, like, oh, it's fine now. You know, it's great. Everything's, everything's fine. I can do it without their support. I'm not sure that it will ever go away. I, I think everybody at some level wants their family to say, good job. Like you are a badass. Look at you, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's not the way it, it worked out. And I think I just deal with that by just remembering that, uh, I feel like there's so much they don't want to talk about and they don't want to confront and they have built really great lives and that's okay. Like I, I mean, they don't want to go back there. That's okay. But I think the part for me that bothers me so much is that I didn't have a choice whether or not I could look back. It was either you look back and you peel that stuff or you just stay the same. So I almost resent them for having that opportunity to go, you know what? I don't want to look at that. It's like, okay, cool. But I, I literally have to, because it's right. my reality every day. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I just deal with it day to day. It's so much easier now than it used to be um, because we've been estranged for so long. So it's still there, but it's not as prominent. It's not something I think about every day, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a more clear cut answer, but it's not, it's not, Everybody has to figure out their own processes, their own feelings. You have to get through it yourself. Like, you know, you can have people there to hold your hand, but nobody can force feed you this. This is a decision that you have to make for yourself and go through it. It's not something somebody else can make. So even though there's no clear cut answer, there is none. Like, really, it's just. You, no, there's not. And, and that's why I tell people, life. you guys. Yeah. Just, yes. Yes. Just accept the support that you get yes. and, and don't go in so close minded. Like it has to be my mom or it has to be. It doesn't actually. And for me, it was strange strangers. So it, it can be anybody. And it, it's OK to accept that love and support. So that's the yeah. advice I would give is just accept it. It's OK. That's amazing. You know, oh, it'll that's end cool. up being the best thing, like mm-hmm. stuff you can't even imagine. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's like, wow, you know, way better than I could have ever imagined it being. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, we we thank you for sharing that. We always talk about that um, here in Untapped Keg. We talk about, you know, how you know what are your, what what are your, what are your dynamics like with your family, uh, your friends, um, especially when you get on your recovery journey, because community is important. Community is extremely important. Uh, um, feeling as if you have a purpose, um, all of the above, we always share that. So I kind of wanted to ask you when you were talking about, you know, your, your why, your aha moments, um, you know, how, how often 
do you think back to that moment? How often do you think back to that? And does that does that provide you with any sort of motivation moving forward with when when you do come across uh, difficult days, challenging days? Oh, that's a good question, which <clears throat> that that moment, you know, that time, I think we all have that. So you think back to that time where you were just like, oh, yeah. man, I'm, I'm done. Right. So whatever yeah. that is for you. And whoever's listening, think about that moment. That is what drove me to go back to school. It drove me to write. It drove me to, it's, it drives everything that I do. And so, um, I, but I need to clarify, there's a difference to me between dwelling on all of those things and thinking about them all the time in, in a certain way and framing it a certain way, or me looking back going, how can I use this to do good and to yeah to drive my life now, you know, which is what I try to do. I'm not much of a dweller on that stuff anymore. So I feel like that aha moment or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's an everyday thing. So it's not like I think about active addiction or whatever people want to call it every day, but I do think about those feelings. Um, and that's what drives, like he said, my tweets even, um, because I think about those people who are there right now hmm. and how much I needed to hear X, Y, and Z. And that's why I say what I say, because there's always a person out there who's in that moment who just needs to hear like, it's okay. Like you're going to be okay. You know? So I I would say that moment is a very big thing in my life still for sure. Absolutely. That's, that's, hmm. that's so true when it comes to just, sharing the positivity of those words on Twitter and stuff like that, just helping to break down the stigma. Folks always say like, what does that really, what does that really mean? And I think, I think you kind of just nailed it right there where it's like, you know what, there's, there's, there's folks out there at, at, at times in their recovery, at a moment in their recovery where you used to be, where it's like, if you would have just heard this or <laughs> heard this person speak, um, it would have helped to ignite um, that excitement of going down the recovery journey. That's right. That's, that's most definitely right. Just sharing these stories are, are powerful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that, that's so true. Oh, thank that you guys. So true. Even this platform right here, I am all about stigma and uh, just being a nineties kid, right? This is not stuff we talked about. No. You know, I have a drug, mm. a drug addicted parent or a mentally, um, I don't want to say mentally ill, but a person who's struggling with their mental health, raising me, uh, those aren't things we talked about. Um, and so I'm really big on that. I feel like, uh, and, and re- <laughs> my family thinks I talk about them, right? They really believe, like they've asked me to shut down my blog. And one of them's like, I'll sue you if you mention my name in that book. And I mean, it's a lot, but it's mm. not them I want to talk about, right? It's the fact that I want to talk about, it's okay to talk about yes. the hard things. It's not, it has nothing to do with them at all. Yes. It's about the pain. Right. What are you going to do with it? Right. We're not going to hide it. We're not going to be ashamed of it. We're going to talk about it and we're going to help other people say, you know what? I'm not the only person going through these things because that is what almost killed me is looking around my world where I lived going, no one understands. No one could even come close to understanding the things that I was going through. And it felt like it drove that isolation that ultimately um, drove me to that aha place, right? Because I was alone. I was alone my whole life. 
I was alone in the pain. And I just feel like that is what really, really drives me is that I don't want anybody to sit around and think, you know, dang, I'm like (laughs) the only person who understands what this is like. And even if our experiences aren't the same, I believe like I've connected with other people in recovery who understand the pain, right? They understand the isolation and the shame. They may not understand my experiences, but we, we have common things where we can meet, you know? Yeah. And that's why you guys are probably here too, right? Like just to connect with everyone. Yes, absolutely. You know, there's similarities in all of our stories. Like, you know, whether we talk about a rock bottom or an aha moment, it's all different, Mm -hmm. but all of our stories, there's themes that run through it. There's similarities that we can all relate to. That's why talking peer to peer is so powerful and knowing that you know i grew up both my parents in the household um but i there were still things that happened that uh led me to abuse alcohol i grew up knowing my dad was was an alcoholic and went sober um you know what he did i don't think i've never heard him say that he was an alcoholic but i grew up in a household where my mom drank like once a year and never really around my dad. And then my dad never drank and I still ended up, you know, falling down the alcohol trap. And, um, there's just, there's things in our stories that hopefully people can hear. And honestly, that is also part of my why is like helping other people, like seeing, putting smiles on other people's faces, knowing like, uh, I used to coach, right. And knowing like, a kid that you made their day or like you made them feel better or they got better and they saw them get better. Like that feeling was so great. And that's kind of how I look at this too, is kind of the same perspective. I don't have all the answers. I don't want anybody to think that. Um, I go through life trying to learn every day and this is part of me helping me learn. I've been pretty open and honest that I was not a very good sober person until we started this podcast and then I started to open up a little bit about my mental health and learn things about myself and talk about it and I hope that other people understand that when you talk to other people it helps you work through things as well um so <clears throat> I guess going from there Brittany how you talked about, you know, your uh, your family being upset and kind of all, always making it about themselves. Um, how do you work through the the disappointment that happens every because every time that they bring that up when you try to talk to them about certain things and there's disappointment that happens when they turn around and make it about themselves again. So now these feelings that you've been feeling that you talk about, but the facts, how do you work through that to kind of get through some of the hard feelings that come with that? Um, to be completely honest, it really is just frustration. It used to be sadness. It used to be all these things. And now it's just frustrating. Um, and you know, I don't do destructive things anymore. So I just figure it out as I go. I don't really have any regimen that I do. I feel what I'm feeling in the moment. And then I try to rationalize what I'm feeling mm. because it, it is frustrating. Cause like all of my relationships with my family members are very fluid. 
and then there are a couple that are just done. And so they they love to do that whole, oh, I talked to so-and-so today and the so-and-so that I don't talk to and haven't for five, 10 years or whatever. And here's what they said. And I, you know, it's hard with our boundaries in our family to kind of, you know, make it to where I have healthy relationships with people. So it's it's a disaster. And I think my answer is, is I stay far away from them. I have great relationships with my coworkers. I have great relationships with my husband and his family. And uh, I think to rectify my crazy family, I just stay away. <laughs> I don't friend people yeah. on Facebook. I don't, I literally have just a whole new world that I live in that is completely separate. So, and I want to add something really quick. You talk about um, how you're just now learning certain things, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually wrote that down um, when I was just kind of making notes. When people say things like uh, 15 years of sobriety, in my head, I'm thinking that's not a big deal, right? It's not because to me, because it's such a layered process. So I just wanted to remind you Mm -hmm. that not that you don't know, but it's totally normal to go through those phases of sobriety, right? Because the first even five years was me just learning how can I be sober and function and feel things. And it's a long process. I'm not sure other people understand that. Mm -hmm. So then the next five years were maybe I should start healing some things, right? So, I mean, it (laughs) goes in layers. It is okay. Like, everything that you've said to me, I'm thinking, Oh gosh, me too. Like, that's how it is. You know, it's fine. (laughs) So I just wanted to say that it's okay. Like sobriety is weird and it's just messy and you're doing great. So yeah. I I mean, I, I numbed my feelings and I kept them out. So now as a 35 year old man trying to discover emotional intelligence is just, I mean, it's hard for me. My, three-year-old son has so much more emotional intelligence than I do. <laughs> like Mons was in the text. He's like, you know, I wish I had this level of emotional intelligence when my wife told the story. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I didn't even realize he's so, he's so smart. It's unreal. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, this is, I'm telling you guys, important, important stuff talking about how you just have to, you know, you got to do it for yourself. You got to do it for yourself. Your happiness is, is as 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 you stated, Brittany. It's non-negotiable. It, it it it's your happiness comes first, and I think that is an important topic that we've talked about a lot on here. Where it's like, because at times you feel guilty. I I I've went times of feeling guilty of cutting off some people, um, cutting some people out of my life that I that I had to had yeah. to get away from because their direction, the path that they were on is it, it just did not mesh well with the direction that I wanted to go. And that, that guiltiness was there for about 18 months to, to about two years um, until I started to really just understand again, what this topic is that, you know what, it's, it's, it's my happiness. It's my life. It's my road. It's my journey. Um, so this is, this is important stuff. And I think, Brittany, I, I, you know, we've done so much talking of some of the little difficult stuff here. I kind of wanted to get into some fun stuff. So like, since you've been on this journey, since you've, (laughs) you know, you've had to, uh, you know, I hate saying it this way, but just for lack of better words, you rid some folks from, from your circle, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of <laughs> push you to the edge just a little bit, just because of your happiness is important to you. So since that decision, you know, what has, what have you gained? Kind of a broad question in the sense, because there's just so much, but I guess if there was one or two things that you've gained since you've made that decision, what would that, you know, what has that been? Or what is that? What is that? It is, I already yeah. have an answer. It is freedom to be myself. Oh my gosh. There's mm. nothing to me. There's nothing better than that. And I, I preface this by saying like, when we talk about this stuff, I feel like, of course it sounds selfish, but I think people need to realize we're starting in the red, right? So when we say, put yourself first, we're not saying put yourself before everyone else. We're saying we're starting down here. So when we say put ourselves first, we're coming back to baseline where everybody else is who has a healthy relationship with themselves. So right. yes, that, that freedom of just saying like, I am who I am. I'm done fixing myself. I'm, I'm just going to be in my skin and love my life and love my kids. And that's it. There's a big period there. That's it. Like, I just want to be who I am. Just let me be. And yeah. if I grow and change, that's, that's the goal, right. To keep doing that every day. Um, but I'm done paying for my past. I'm done talking about it. I'm done, mm. you know, wallowing in it. I'm just going to move on. And I just think freedom is what comes to mind when you ask that that's the best thing because where I come from is you're, you're either stuck in it and tied to it or you're not. And I've not met anybody else who's gotten out. <laughs> So I'm just, you know, really thankful still. And I'm just happy to be free of all of it. Mm. It's it's the best feeling because See, that's, it's uh, so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I was, that's what you shared about how the journey is layered is so true because I, I, I think, yeah, you, you essentially like graduate to that moment. And I don't even think I'm fully there yet. I, I, I really want to get to that point to where you're at but it's that graduation in the sense of to now let's figure out what i need to heal <laughs> figure out what i need to heal um who i may need to you know get out of my life etc but also yeah just just really just focusing on your freedom your happiness that's so that's what this is all about we These have, messages are extremely important yeah. And we have a saying here at Untapped Keg that is very uh, apt for what you said and that, you know, going sober. And then we also put it to mental health or recovery is the most selfless, selfish decision yeah. you can make. Because if you are not taking care of yourself, then you're just a, a burden to everybody else. You be your best self, right? So that you can help take care of everybody else. And uh, that's like really the root of what I think you were saying too. And then <clears throat> to add on to what Mont said, they're kind of discovering who you are as a person too. Yeah. Cause that's something that I struggled with. Like who, who's RJ? I, I'm not, sometimes I don't even know yet. And I'm still trying to discover who exactly I am, but that's okay. There's nothing, nothing wrong with me trying to discover that. Um, you know, that's part of the reason that I wanted to leave Wisconsin was, I I think that I was just a lot of my identity was caught up in Wisconsin and I was unhappy with that and I needed something different. So and I can feel like how much happier I am to be 
out of the culture. Like that doesn't mean that the culture is bad. It just wasn't for me. So, um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, being a lunch lady and other stuff. One thing we talk about in recovery is finding new habits and finding new Mm -hmm. hobbies. Um, you said that you picked up painting. How's that been going? I'm glad you asked. Uh, listen, when I was a kid, I drew all the time. It was like my thing. Um, and I know, by the way, thank you for buying my book and supporting it and reading it. Um, but I talked about, you know, my brother's passing and that day I was drawing. Right. And I think, uh, that's pretty much the last time I remember sitting and drawing, which is so silly, but to me, it it was my way back then of kind of leaving, (laughs) you know, okay, I'm going to be in this notebook all day. And so I feel like in, you know, I'm 38 and I just within the last year kind of picked it back up again. It's almost like I forgot that I like to draw. I know it's bizarre. I was like, Oh, I like this. You know, I've always been crafty, but okay. Um, But that's another story. You guys, I have forgotten a very big chunk of who I used to be. Um, And I always tell people, I feel like as a kid, I was pretty busy. I was really busy doing things that weren't kid things. And so I didn't have a lot of time. Um, Like with my kids, I, you know, I'm sure you guys understand. I make sure that they do develop emotional intelligence, that I do encourage them to figure out who they are and what they like. And um, we make a big deal out of those things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it's hard to balance being that mom, but also at the same time, figuring out who the F I am, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I get it. Like painting is now a thing. That's like a good thing. It's not a sad thing. It's not a coping mechanism. It is a way to express myself. So it is the, on the other end of the spectrum, I've taken Mm -hmm. something that used to be bad and I've turned it into something that it's an expressive thing now, not a coping thing. And so it's been great. And I always say it's art therapy, but in more so of a way where I can kind of like recharge and just de-stress. So yeah, yeah. finding your all, everyone really finding kind of those little pieces of your own happiness. I think it's important, you know, and art for me is just that thing. So um, it's been fun. So. That's awesome. Was, yeah, was art, and 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 so so like art was the thing that you that you went to um during challenging times mm-hmm. uh was that something that you kind of really relied on very much so um yeah i i mean i always say like i knew early on that the adults of my life were useless i mean they really were there was such severe neglect that i knew if i wanted clean clothes or food or you know, I just had, I had, I knew it was my job to do certain things. And so mm-hmm. that's just the way I guess I took care of myself. And then through some other things that had happened, um, I feel like it was just like alcohol and drugs. It was my way to feel like I had some control, like some feet mm-hmm. on the ground, you know? Um, and, yeah. and that's the funny thing about trauma, you guys, is um, just with the one thing after another, after another, literally day to day being a big question mark for me for so long. I just never let go. I was holding on every day, right? Like I have to be prepared. Um, I have to be ready. I don't know what's going to happen kind of thing. And so that was my thing that, that anchored me. 
And so I feel like it always transitioned as I got older, like it wasn't art, it ended up being, you know, substances. So I ended up kind of clinging to an anchor all the way through. They were just never healthy ones, right? I just didn't know what to do. So uh, for me, my sobriety is just a little different because trauma recovery is a little bit different than just, mm-hmm. you know, addiction recovery, I guess. For me, it feels like it, which is why I don't fit in a lot of these groups and stuff like that, because it's not just about this certain list of things that I need to do. There's it's a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, art used to be a my hiding place, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. A place to create, a place to uh, just fill hide. your... Yeah. Dump your emotions on paper. I mean, I mean, and then see the, see your end result, see the product that you created. I mean, we talk about that a lot, you know, RJ's, you know, is, is cooking yeah. that being kind of like, you know, occupy the hands and, and allow for your mind to just escape a way healthier escape as opposed to obviously using a substance. And then, yeah. um, yeah, for myself, if it's not video games, it's writing. I love to write as well, too. And um, very, I think it's a very common one. You know, people understand it. You get to escape into the words. Story kind of writes itself, um, which is such a beautiful process. So these, these, these are important stuff. And so you got art. What else? What else was it? What else? We're trying to trying to learn about Brittany. What what else was? Well, you know what else out? is the anxiety? I I don't think we've talked a lot about the anxiety slash depression right. stuff. And for me, um, I'm not like I said before. I'm not huge on medications for myself personally. No shade on anyone else, but for mm-hmm. me, the art and stuff like that. It is the only time my brain is not on one hundred. You know. Um, and like video games, my husband plays video games and he says the same thing. He doesn't have the issues I do, but it's still a time where he can relax and not think about work. Um, I just think everybody needs that, whatever that is, you need to find that and do that. So if it's cooking or if it's whatever, because, um, that's another thing. I think drugs for me, it was my off switch. I thought I wrote about it in my book. I thought, when I first drank alcohol, I was like, hallelujah, holy shit, yeah. you know, whoa, I can, I mean, because I just felt relaxed. Like, like I said, I, I stopped holding on for that, that block of time. Um, and it just felt so good to not worry, you know? So yeah. I do think that those habits and uh, things you do to calm down or find who you are, are also, you know, dually good for Yes. Therapeutic purposes, you know, just calming yeah. down and losing your <laughs> yourself for a minute. It's great. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a best way to put it, too, because trying to explain, you know, the whole occupy the hands, free the mind type of thing. I think it's a very simple, very simplistic way to put it. I think you just did where it's just like just. I hang out with a lot of normies, you guys. They don't get it. They're like, what? I need to turn it off for a minute. I love that, though. It's so true. Just find something that calms you down. Something, yes. And I mean, I'd be lying if I sat here and said, you know, and that's another issue, too. We don't have time for probably. But to say that those feelings just go away is a lie. It is a lie. 
That's not true. Mm, you don't just not. wake up one day and go, well, you know, I'm never going to want to disappear ever again. It's like, you're full of shit. Sorry, yeah. but you are. Like, yeah. you may not want to drink today, but you do too want to break. You know, yep. like, yes, oh, yeah. I do want to break. So we're going to look for like a great thing to do. I'll go for a walk, listen to a podcast, whatever, but don't act like you don't ever want to break. Like, exactly. Yeah, yes, harder. you do. It's harder when you're on your your recovery journey because you you don't have that substance. Exactly. You don't have that substance to. Uh, and know, no, I don't get off work on Friday and go. Oh, you know, I want a beer, but I absolutely am like, I need, I gotta shut off for a minute. You know, I need to calm yeah. myself, recenter, refocus, recharge. So, I think that's normal too. Like, we should probably normalize wanting to recharge. That's yeah. okay. I mean, we do normalize it, but the only way it's normal is people sitting in front of a TV watching it for hours, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> there's but nothing wrong Twitter, with that right mm, there's nothing wrong with that no but <laughs> I, I do see a lot of you know i didn't drink today or i don't i don't want to say i'm not trying to like attack anybody i don't want to make it sound like that but i think it's yeah. unrealistic to think that you're never gonna want to escape again because people yeah. always say that they say like let me create a life i don't want to escape from and i'm like what <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know about that. A like, job? Good luck with that. Right. You, I mean, so... tell me how that goes. Like, I just don't think it's realistic. So and you create a good life, a healthy one, and you're still going to want to have that art or that writing or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's actually <laughs> it's, a very good. So point. like a lot of people say, take your hobby and turn it into your job. That way you ah. never hate your job. But a job is a job. Like it always carries that stress. It always carries, like, it turns into the point where it's an obligation. I got always want to get away. Yes. Yes. I just said that. I mean, you know, Mons used to be a professional football player. Like it turned into a job. Like Like playing football. So no fun league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it. no matter what you do, at a certain point, it's going to turn into a job and you're going to want to yep. escape. Yep. So yep. being able to take your emotions and put them into something, I, maybe not even productive, but so, put them into something where you can just decompress yes. and get some space away from that is absolutely huge. Like, you know, I, I just read something the other day about how um, you know, people fearing Mondays is like the worst thing, but at the same time, you're going to like fear your obligations because it's a part of life. <laughs> we all at some point do not want to do our obligations. So like, right. You know, well, of, of, of course, of, of, of course. No, but I think it's, imp- I, I love, I love that Brittany. Absolutely. I, and I never really thought about that. Never really thought about that. Folks do say that all the time. You know, you see it on social media, create a life that you don't feel as if you have to escape from. It's like, I never actually took the time to stand back and digest that. And you're, you're correct. It's like, well, wait, you shouldn't be shamed for just trying to have an escape because there's healthy escapes. There's, there's, you know, losing yourself in the Harry Potter books, which that was me. Uh, (laughs) Um, many things. So I think, yeah, hobbies are important. We talk about that a lot here. And and so for you, it's, it's, it's reading. It sounds like obviously writing art. Um, and then obviously, yeah, your children, children are obviously a huge part. I'm assuming correct. Right. Of, 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 yeah. 
you know, what, what helps you throughout your days, what helps you to keep pushing forward, helps you, your motivation to get up. Obviously it's for yourself, but I know obviously your children are a huge part of that as well. Very big part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, you know what I mean? Like I, I take care of me so they can. So when I die, I mean, honestly, my, hopefully something I've done is going to make their lives easier and then their kids and hopefully we'll just turn this ship around, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So when it comes, I, I got a tough question here and it is a question that all three of us probably already have been asked or will be asked. We all have children. Mm -hmm. We all have children. Um, so when it comes to, when it comes to alcohol, you know, what, how, how do you, how do you, I'm trying to figure out the correct way to ask this question. Like your child's gonna come of age. They're gonna want to experiment with alcohol. Um, 17 years old, 18 years old, um, 19, all the ages right before 21. Not to put you on the spot, but you know, how does that conversation go? How does that you know, uh, how do, how are you going to introduce, you know, the, the impacts of, of underage drinking or use of drugs, uh, et cetera, to, to your children? And, and, and I don't need a direct response, but, you know, I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that, your perspective on, you know, maybe if there's other parents out there listening. Um, and hopefully there was a question there. Sorry if there. No, there is, there is. Uh, I'm just trying to convince my version of an answer down. I feel like I like to say for me, not advice. This is not advice, Mm -hmm. but for me, um, I am an open book when it comes to parenting. We talk about everything. I'm all about talking about the feelings. Obviously it's all age appropriate, but once they hit, you know, certain phases of their life, like it's time to talk. We talk all the time about things. I do have a 19 year old son um, who just graduated high school and uh, real quick, funny story is he went to his very first house party ever. And he called me and he said, you were right. This is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So he stayed and everyone drank and he said, well, I won all the pong games because everybody else was drunk. he was stone cold sober the whole time. And he's like, they, they just look so stupid. And I'm like, well, because for me, it started out with house parties. Right. And I always thought like right. I was having fun. So with him, I hit a lot on, you know, yes, you can go, but I, I mean, here's, here are your choices. You know what I mean? And we talked a lot about like the science of the brain, because mm-hmm. to me, I feel like kids these days don't want to hear philosophical crap. They want to hear facts for in our house, they, they need, my husband's very analytical too. Like he needs proof, right? He needs reasons why. And so my sons are that way. And so I guess my answer would be, I've explained to him from a very young age, biology, my DNA, where I come from, how that works. And it's not just me saying, I don't want you to drink. It's here's why, right? Because Mm -hmm. this is what happens to my brain and my body. And chances are, that could happen to you too. Um, And it really did make a difference with my kids. Uh, Like my son, I'm like, you know, there's a reason why the drinking age is 21 because they tried to wait 
as long as possible for your brain to develop so you didn't fuck it up. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just yeah. the, the truth because you're, you're what, like, I think it's like the younger you are, the more likely you are to become an alcoholic. Um, the onset age that you start drinking, it like triples your chances of becoming dependent upon alcohol. So, I mean, I just explained the boring facts because I, nobody wants their mom, you know, just nagging. And like, I think it always comes off as I'm trying to control you type of thing. Mm -hmm. So with my kids, I'm like, I love you. You can do if you, that's what you want to do. Okay. But you, I don't want you drinking or doing drugs. And here's why. Right. So go have fun, do your thing, but don't kill your brain. Because right. I feel like my brother and I were so young when we started doing those things. And I'm not saying we wouldn't have ended up where we did um, at the end of the day. Um, but I feel like we would have had a better chance, maybe, had we waited yeah. until we could make good decisions. You know, so I would just tell parents to be, be specific about your reasons for what you say. And don't just bark and, you know... That that's what I did. I don't know. And yeah. I'm not even sure it's working. I do know he's almost 20 and he still doesn't <laughs> drink. So I feel like that's it's a working. win. I, it is. And I should say we, we aren't doing great on every front with the 19 year old. You know, there are lots of issues, but drinking and drugs isn't one of them. So You're doing for me, that's a now. win, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I don't want to put on the spot like that, but that's a, that's a, that's a very well put answer, and that's my my son is five, so I've got I got I got some time. But <laughs> oh my I gosh, appreciate yeah. But when they're five, you guys, or three, or whatever, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, "How am I going to do this? What is it going to look like?" And so it was just a lot of trial and error. I just never hit it. That's all I, I always tell people with young kids is like, when they're five, you have no clue what that's going to look like. But as they get okay. older, and you meet their friends, and they're in high school, and whatever it's just so important to just give them the why, like, this is why it's not because I'm trying to ruin your life. I'm trying to help you not become this yeah. or that. So, yeah. No, I, I appreciate know. that. That that's listen, hopefully our listeners took that information, but if not, which I'm sure they did, but me, I most definitely did because I, you know, I'm, I'm five. Uh, my, my, my father's recovering alcohol, like my grandfather. So on my paternal side, so my dad's dad, um, did not beat his battle um, with alcoholism, unfortunately, rest his soul. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so it's like, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. how do you break this? Uh, and yeah, the self-worth, so. the self-worth, you guys, teaching my babies that, you know, mm-hmm. you have a purpose, um, you have potential, those kinds of things, just instilling yes. in them so that they, they care enough about themselves to where they're not just willing to throw it away. You know, because I couldn't have yeah. less. So I'm just, yeah, those two things is what I would say. Absolutely. I like to make sure I tell my boys, they're two and three, that every day that daddy loves you and daddy's proud of you. Like even, you know, small yes. things, I just try. And then, so one thing that I always say too is I like to respect their intelligence. So they're two and three, but when I ask them not to do something, like I tell them why I don't want them to do it. And like, I feel right. like if I have problems explaining why maybe I don't want them to do that thing just because I don't want them to get dirty. Cause I don't want to clean them up. So I'm lazy. Like, well, that's whatever they, I can deal with that. Like it's part of myself too, how I can kind of have more fun with them because I realized like one day they were 
gonna jump in a puddle i said no don't jump in the and i thought about it and i'm like all right jump in the puddle daddy will jump with you so like you know all of us jumped in the puddle and it was great but right. the only reason i didn't want him to is because i didn't want him to get wet well it was a nice warm day what's the what's the big deal about it so I love that you did that same kind of thing. And that makes me. I just love that story. I think that should be a story that we tell, like jump in the puddle. It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. same with each subsequent kid. I'm like the last, I'm like, just go for it. Go, you know, who cares? Jump in the puddle. Jump in the puddle. Jump Jump in in the puddle. (laughs) That's the thing about recovery does not have to be boring. Um, You know, the youth, youth growing up nowadays and it's in it probably been this way forever, but obviously, you know, I, I can only speak about, you know, my 30 years of life and it's, it seems like folks, and I, and I, and I thought it as well, that, that recovery is boring. At first I thought recovery is a boring thing. You know, how am I going to have fun? How am I going to jump in the puddle, you know, being stone cold sober? How is that going to be fun to me? And I think, I think the message here, which is important is yeah, focus on yourself. It, it's your happiness focus on your hobbies. There's nothing wrong. Don't feel shamed to still want to escape. <laughs> and three, yeah, still jump in the puddle. Jump in the puddle. Still jump, jump. in the puddle. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So Absolutely. Sorry, I'm looking down at the chat right yeah, now. So yeah. if I ever you see me looking down, I'm <laughs> checking the chat. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of winding down right here, Brittany. Yeah. Um, Here's something like kind of light and fun, but what we're moving into fall. Um, I love what's your favorite thing about fall? What's your favorite, favorite aspect about fall? Because there's things that before I was sober, I didn't really care for or even appreciate. Even the changing of the color of the leaves, I didn't appreciate. Oh, yeah, you did. No, I didn't. I really didn't care about the. Yeah, but I didn't care about the leaves changing. Like the oh, so you're talking about the actual like, like life, like the world, the actual, yeah. like things in fall. I got you. <laughs> uh, my answer is going to be pretty boring because it, it's it's the small things like you mentioned that um, I really, really look forward to and get excited about. So my first answer would be my little my little one. He really likes to rake. He has his own rake. (laughs) (laughs) He likes to put on his boots and yeah, we go out there and just do that thing where you make a giant pile and he'll run across the driveway and he'll do that for a solid hour. And then he puts them in the bags with me and we have um, woods behind our house. So we dump them back there and he thinks he is the biggest, baddest, strongest dude for, you know, drag in the bag back and like i just look forward to that and this year we have fun pumpkin bags and so <laughs> that's awesome. i know but those are the things you guys that with my first one i missed i missed it completely i and so those things i just i love them and i soak them yeah. up and i just realize now kind of how important they are so I, that's what i look forward to is my kids excitement for all the things so absolutely yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I love the fall. The fall. Yeah. Oh, in the trees, you guys turning onto my street and just lines of red. It's just it's literally breathtaking. I'm I am that lady like a sunset or some change in leaves. And I am just speechless, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah I think since we are kind of winding down, I, I kind of want to 
I want to give you the floor here, Brittany, and and you know what would you, you know what would you want to share with somebody who, you know, just started their just started their journey, you know, brand spanking new, uh, forty eight hours in, <laughs> and just trying to kind of and and there's no there's really no wrong answer here, but you know just trying to figure out the ropes, you know what I mean? Because um, I think we do have some listeners who are relatively new on their journey, on their path? Um, gosh, 48 hours, I would say. <laughs> I think well, back to my 48 hours. 48 I'm like, God, just go to sleep. It's right. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. It could be a week. It can be no, a month. Just, just reach Read out. Don't, don't, don't isolate and don't try to do it by yourself. I feel like for yeah. me, that was my biggest hurdle. Just not one for some reason i just i did not like to have other people around me <laughs> i didn't want to talk to people or share with people or call people um and i don't know if that was just shame or me being stubborn or me pride like the pride or i don't know but um and these days it's like there's so much social media support that i think is overlooked right I agree. and kind of minimized because people say social media and then it's like no you don't understand our recovery community okay because it is next level and that is my advice reach out there is going to be someone who will be there for you um yeah so during those moments where you want to quit you want to just say f it i'm i can start over or whatever it is just my advice is reach out first make that phone Mm. call message someone. That was one of the rules I had with myself because I'm a quitter by nature. Right. And and it sounds opposite, right. But I, I am one to throw in the towel and give up on myself very quickly. Um, and so for me, reaching out was having that input that wasn't that real in my brain. I needed somebody to go, you know what, you can keep going. You can do it. Just that little trinket of wisdom. So just reach out, don't give up, reach out. Just keep reaching out. So see, I love that. It's like the we get in our own head, you know, and yeah, kind of giving folks that action action item, action step, like make it very simple. Hey, if you're feeling that urge, if you're feeling like uh, giving up, just reach out to somebody. I mean, I was so sad. Like in the beginning, I really was. I was just so sad. Um. Just raw, raw emotions. <laughs> a hotness of emotion. Mm. And so that's why reaching out. And it wasn't necessarily here, Brittany, you need to do this. It was just sit with me while I'm going through this, right? Because you're going through that dark moment. I, I look at it like cravings for a cigarette, right? Because that's easy for people to understand. If you get through that, you'll be all right probably until that next time it pops up. So during those little windows of time, you have to reach out. You don't necessarily need to do something. You don't have to do step work or journal. You don't always have to be doing. Sometimes you just need to sit with someone. Um, So just reach out and, and get some guidance, whatever that looks like through whatever program or whatever it is. Just, yeah, don't isolate. And just know we're all there. We've all had yes. cravings. We've all, yeah. That's yes. That everything. And the self doubt. It's normal. Yes. I like, yeah, self doubt. It always starts with that, right? Like I don't think I can do this. So right when you feel that, I'm like, just just pick up the phone, call someone, do something. So 
So absolutely. Yeah. It's wonderful. So Brittany, it's refreshing. This is, this has been a wonderful conversation. I think we could go for a lot longer and yeah, it was you, fun. You're a, a joy to talk to. Thank you for coming on. If Thank people you. wanted to connect with you after mm -hmm. this, where can they find you or where can they follow you? Well, if I knew my Twitter handles, that'd be cool. I think I, <laughs> I think it's Brittany L. Shelton on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and on Facebook, if anyone is still there, um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> which I am because there's some people there that aren't on the others, you know, um, right. I think it's life after childhood trauma. Um, I think, yeah, okay. but Twitter is probably the best way. And then from there you can find me and there's discoveringbeautiful.com. It has all the handles on there. Um, awesome. And I did write other books besides the one that you had. Um, and it's really literally, they're just the quickest reads. Like they're easy. It's not, it's, I, it's not, I'm not Jane Austen. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not a novelist. I just write, I, I, I like to say that I'm not putting myself down, but I know my limits, right? I write for people to get them through the hard things. And then I want them to take that book and give it to someone else. Right. So yeah. they're all just centered on, you know, real stuff, just real raw stuff. So anyway, I hope to see some people on Twitter or wherever later. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. So Mons, where can people find you? Yeah. Yes. You guys can find me on Twitter at MonteBall28. You can find me on Instagram at MonteBall. Untapped keg pages as well. Please shoot us questions, topics, what have you. And we'll make sure to get back to you guys. Uh, RJ, where can they find you? Uh, find me Untapped keg on Twitter. Uh, untapped keg on Facebook. You could just... Google on tap keg and you'll pretty much find us. Um, you know, it, like Brittany said, if you're having issues, you know, if you're having those cravings, if you're self doubt, you can reach out to us and we'll get back to you yeah. as quick as we can. Um, you know, feel free to reach out We're we're here to help people. That's why we do this. Uh, you can yeah. also hit up my personal twi Twitter, ITZ trickster. The I is a one in trickster. And, uh, Brittany, it has been an honor to have you. Uh, that is yes, Discovering sir. Beautiful. You can get it on Amazon. Um, I read it in about two days. It was it was a great read. Uh, thank you for writing that. And thank you for all your messages that you have on Twitter. Because like I said, they have helped me get through times where I'm struggling. Um, and sometimes I'll find them like a day or two later. But it's like the words that I need to hear to get through a moment. And uh, I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. And, you know, let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we don't make it, we tried. Everybody have a good week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.